0: Welcome everyone, talk racing to me with Naomi, your weekly staple is back with yet another episode. I hope you're doing well, having fun, watching the horse racing action across the United States. I hope that it continues to provide the distraction and fun reprieve we are all looking for. Of course, the the in-the-money media team is ever-producing as well as ever-growing. Acacia Courtney announced last week that she's joined the team as a host for the revamped In The Ring pedigree shows. I couldn't have thought of a better fit. A wonderful broadcaster, wonderful human being and friend, you will all enjoy listening to her insights. Go check it out if you haven't already. So let's divulge a few tidbits about my guest this week. Most likely known as the Maryland Jockey Club's on-air analyst, Timothy Tullock Jr. actually holds a variety of positions and has held a few that explain why he's so insightful when it comes to horse racing. A trainer, an outrider, a safety compliance officer and racing analyst, Tim truly never really seems to sit still. Let him tell you a little about himself before we dive right into Saturday's winter carnival stakes action at Laurel Park with six stakes to go over. If you want to go straight to that section, fast forward to just about 23 minutes in. Now, please excuse some of the volume differences in the audio, as well as a little bit of an echo on my side. I kind of sound like a robot a little bit, but okay. We ended up recording via Zoom, which isn't uh, my preferred platform, but alas, we had uh, technology troubles. Anyhow, let's go. Tim, I'm so happy that you've joined me on Talk Racing to Me with Naomi. Of course, you are a racing analyst at the maryland jockey club my uh, faithful colleague on air but you're also uh, the compliance and safety officer on the laurel park backside let's um let's talk about that one first because that last one sounds pretty intimidating to me you're patrolling the laurel park backside
1: yeah i patrol the uh, laurel park backside uh, most of my morning is taken up by uh, overseeing the racetrack supervising the racetrack during training hours uh, I work with the out, closely with the outriders and then of course uh, the track maintenance people, ambulance uh, people, uh, the attending uh, track veterinarian uh, that Stronic Group has, uh, that we have there now. So I work closely with everybody during training hours and in non-training hours I walk the backside and just make sure everyone's basically minding their manners, keeping themselves clean and whatnot.
0: So that will be Tim Tulloch with his serious face on, making sure everyone's behaving.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, not everyone's always happy to see me. I don't, <laughs> in fact, I don't think anyone's ever happy to see me. Uh, but uh, yeah, but it works out well. I mean, the biggest thing is is just trying to keep the racetrack as safe as you possibly can. There's, you know, you could have 110 horses on that racetrack at any one time. So you know, the, the riders following the rules, being safe. Uh, doing the right things, paying attention to what they're doing. Uh, We always try to um, enforce all that and all the rules that go along with it.
0: And you said uh, you were closely with a fair few of the team, including the outriders. You are an outrider yourself as well, right?
1: Yes, I was outrider uh, at Laurel Park for about four years, four and a half years uh, before I moved on uh, to uh, the media and uh, this existing job with the compliance and safety. So, yeah, I was out there for four and a half years. Some days I miss it, but, um, you know, it's, uh, there's, you're always dealing with the weather. So that's, a, that's something I don't miss.
0: I bet you don't. Any cool stories? Have you caught many horses as an outrider?
1: Caught <Quite> enough. Caught enough. Uh, look, if you go through an outrider and you catch half of the horses that get loose, you're doing all right. Uh, they're not always easy to catch. You'll get green horses, uh, horses that don't even know what a pony is, horses uh, that are clever. They, they just, uh, uh, no matter what you do, they duck out behind you. They go around the other side. Uh, but um, the older horses are easier to catch, for sure. And uh, the younger horses are a little tougher, especially the two-year-olds.
0: Oh, I bet. Any, any cool stories? Any fond memories?
1: Uh, the cool stories are
0: all,
1: the cool stories are always uh, a crisis evaded. Those are those are the best stories. Uh, anything after that, then um, then uh, it's not a crisis evaded, and it's not a, a cool story. I, I guess the coolest thing is the only one thing I do miss is the camaraderie with with the exercise riders and just the morning conversations and chatting and and that type of thing and uh, actually riding and sitting on the horse. I miss that a little bit, Uh, but um, yeah, you know, there's always something when you, when you feel good, when you catch a horse, you feel good if a rider's in trouble and you pick them up and you're able to help them and and that type of thing. But uh, it's, uh, you know, the coolest story is uh, when you go through a morning and it's quiet, nothing happens.
0: And that's also the perfect scenario I, you and me both i miss sitting on horses as well and i remember um, in england we don't have outriders but when i was um track riding in australia we do have outriders and you know they're there to help you so i remember also being you know very fond of them if anything goes wrong they're the ones that are you know kind of there to save your ass or to tell you off if you did something wrong uh, i don't think i did anything wrong but i once remember that um uh, it was pitch black dark and i was on this young filly and she ended up dropping me right in front of the the stands like literally dro- like i i flipped over landed on my ass held on to her so i had this huge you know wet patch on my ass cuz it was one of those cold wet mornings and i remember the outrider looking at me going what the hell did you do? Because clearly nobody saw because it was pitch black. She's so like, how did you get off the horse? And I was like, yeah, I plan to do this. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> and so, and sometimes that comes, comes in the same time. I save your ass or right, saves your ass and then they chew your ass uh, for that. So uh, sometimes it's a combo platter.
0: Yeah, or when you're begging, you're begging them to still let you on the track, even though they're about to close. You're like, I have to exercise this horse. Please let me
1: on. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty tough about that here in Maryland because we have two breaks and we have a big racetrack, mile and eight. So we need to get that racetrack closed on time, mostly because the people on the other side of the break are expecting to bring their horses out on a fresh racetrack at a certain time. So we're pretty diligent about making sure that racetrack closes on time. So uh, we don't give a a lot of gray air. If you're not on that track, when that closing call comes, you're mostly, unless you're within a few yards of that gap, uh, you're probably not coming on.
0: So what are the training hours at Laurel Park?
1: Uh, training hours are from 5.30 to 10.30 on non-race days with a break at 7 and then another break at 9. So So we have two Harrell brakes. We have such a a high volume of horses and uh, traffic uh, that the racetrack gets a little uh, tore up a little bit. So we have two Harrell brakes to recondition the track.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And, of course, you were also, in a previous life, a trainer. (laughs) I was. (laughs) Great at stakes winning trainer, no less. I mean, your last horse you ran was at Parks, I believe. I looked this up, August 2015. You had over 500 career wins and you had a string in South Florida in your sort of your earlier years during the winter and mid-Atlantic in the summer. I mean, tell me a little bit about that period of your life.
1: Oh, it's great. I mean, I, I love training horses and if uh, things in my life hadn't changed, I probably still would be training horses. But yeah, I had a nice run. I had a nice career. I was fortunate enough to to get some nice horses and um, won uh, multiple graded stakes and and multiple stakes and had some nice horses in my career. But in the beginning, yeah, I went uh, to Delaware Park, Gulfstream Park or stabled at highly and ran at Gulfstream and would run it highly in the spring. Then back to Delaware in the summer. And then uh, in the fall of 2000, I didn't really have the stock to go to Florida. So I thought I would um, give Maryland a try. it didn't. It didn't hurt that I started dating a young lady from Maryland uh, <laughs> during that that summer. So, you know, uh, I, I didn't didn't leave. I came to Mar- Maryland in the fall of 2000 and uh, never left.
0: And of course, the the lady in question is the current racing secretary, Laura. I got the
1: girl that. too. How about that? I got the girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I came with I think six or seven horses and. Uh, built the stable up at its height. I think we had 43 in training, right around 40, and but kept about 25, 30 normally.
0: And for those who, who don't know, of course, Gillian Tullock, Tim's wife is indeed the racing secretary at Laura Park. So a wonderful family affair in a way, right?
1: Uh, absolutely. And uh, my daughters are, are uh, both love horses. The one rides, the other one just likes to be around them and and uh, so it's, it's going to get, it's, it's generational on both sides. It's uh, Jillian's mom ride, road, my father rode. We're always on farms and horses. So it's uh, we're going on third or fourth generation.
0: Are we looking at future jockeys with Tessa and Sophie?
1: Uh, well, no, I've been trying to get them to grow. I've been feeding them a lot and uh, <laughs> hopefully they get a little bit taller. I, I'm, I am i the one who really likes the horses, she's, they're twins. So they're a little smaller, but um, their grandfather's over six foot. And my mother, uh, uh, their mother and myself are 5'11", 5'10", 5'11". So uh, I'm hopefully, look, what are you going to do? I mean, if that's what she pursues, that's what she pursues. Am I excited about it? No way. Not a, not in the least, uh, but you know, she loves horses. She loves going fast. So I'm in trouble.
0: Oh, dear, you might be indeed. Would you recommend her to look elsewhere? Would you be supportive?
1: I'd be supportive. I, you know, there would be, you, you have to go to school. You have to finish school. Uh, You have to have a fallback position. You can't, you can't make this your end all be all. I mean, you have to have a fallback position. And if you, uh, if you do that, then, you know, that's fine. If that's still what you want to do, that's fine. Uh, but it's not what you're going, your main goal is going to be. Um, I've always believed, you always make sure you have a, a fallback position. If plan A doesn't work, you fall back on plan B and then try again another time.
0: And let's quickly chat about some of the horses that you had uh, in your stable. I'd say probably your best known runner would have been Buster's Daydream, who, of course, uh, had a four-race streak in 2001, starting at Breaking His Maiden at Pimlico, and then continued to win the Grade 3 Flash in Tremont, as well as the Sandfoot at Saratoga. I mean, tell me what that was like, and and having such a horse running at Saratoga, we are all familiar with the Spa and, and how much that meeting means to the racing calendar at present.
1: Oh, there were two horses that year when I first came to Maryland. The first uh, filly was just a filly who kept me in business when I came down there. I only had six or seven horses, and uh, her name was Sugar's Real Rush. And I won four or five races with her before I lost her via the claim box and then got, a bat, got her back. But she kept me going during the winter. In the spring, I had trained, uh, was training for uh, Steve and John Barbarino from Connecticut, who I trained for, for for a long time. And they sent me this two-year-old colt by Housebuster and uh, came in very prepared from from Ocala. And we got uh, got him ready and we took him to New York first time out. And track was just – he only ran two poor races in his life, and they were over tracks at a little bit more surface a little cubby. And he ran all right that day. He ran fourth, brought him back to Maryland, and he galloped uh, in a two-year-old maiden race at, at Pimlico. I mean, won by like 14. I mean, just one by easy, easy. So we took him up to the Flash, which was a grade three at Belmont Park. I don't even think they run it anymore. And uh, he won pretty easily that day while getting out. And uh, then he came back and he won the Tremont, which was, which uh, we talk about this a lot of times, horses bouncing. Uh, all horses probably bounce to a certain extent. Some horses are good enough to bounce and win. Uh, he won, the, tree, he won the, uh, the flask pretty easily, right? as easy as he wanted to. We came back in the Tremont, and he won, but he had to work for it, won by a length and a half, and really had to get belly low, low to do it. And I think he bounced into that race, but he was still very, very good and good enough to win. Uh, but the highlight with him was going to the Sanford. Uh, Jillian, uh, my wife, is from Saratoga. She graduated Saratoga High. Her family still lives up there. And uh, we have surrounding family up there. So when we went up for the uh, Sanford, uh, it it had rained the night before. And I remember waking up thinking, this is like, this can't be a better scenario because I knew he liked the off going. He was by a house buster out of a mayor who who would run daydream off out of a mayor who had off going pedigree. So I was, I was like, this, this can't be better. And uh, he, he won the uh, Sanford easily. He won in one ten and a little bit of change, one by five, four five, and won it pretty easily. So that was uh, that was highlight. And uh, so yeah, he was a great little horse. And uh, he ended up getting hurt, uh, chipping a knee, and then we ended up having uh, stopping on him. And he went. And he stood in uh, South Korea for a few years as a stallion. So yeah, but he was fun. He was a fast little horse and. uh, it was a peculiar year because we were getting ready for the futurity at Belmont park and uh nine 11 happened. So the futurity got canceled and he actually chipped his knee in his last work before the futurity. So chipped his knee in the last work. We didn't get to run the futurity anyway. It was just, it just, uh, but he had a nice life and he, he was, he was a fun horse to be around. But anyway, he, he, uh, kick-started my career here in maryland and then uh, the owners started to come
0: yeah i was about to ask what kind of effect did he have on you uh, upon sort of your visibility as a trainer did he put you on the map
1: he certainly put me on the on the map in maryland i had once a few races in maryland shipping down i'd won a two-year-old stake in 99 with a little horse called z cool uh, so I wasn't a total unknown, but you know Maryland's Maryland's tough. You uh, you just there have been a fair few people who've come into Maryland and haven't stayed, and uh, have left. It, it's tough. There's they're veteran horsemen, you know, you know. Look at, at the end of the day, you talk about racing in California, racing in Florida, you know, that's twentieth century things. And racing in California, racing in Florida, they've been racing horses in the Mid Atlantic area for. 300 years, you know. So, uh, you know, it's deeply rooted. The horsemen are second and third generational horsemen, and uh, they're very good. So it's kind of tough to break through in Maryland. I hung in there and uh, certainly Buster's Daydream uh, gave me a big leg up.
0: How would you qualify the current training colony at Laurel Park or sort of the Maryland scene?
1: Very good. Very good. You've got You've got the old, I'm going to call them old-timers. I'll probably get a, I'll probably, I'll call them and get a phone call. Uh, but uh, but you've got the guys that have been around for a long time. Hammy Smith and Dale Capuato, Mike Trumbetta. You've got your veteran, Jerry Robb. You've got your veteran, let's call them veteran horsemen. Your veteran horsemen have been on the Maryland scene for, for a long, long time. And now you've got this and and now you've got this younger generation of trainers coming up, the Brittany Russell's, Jeremiah Dwyers, uh the Lacey Gaudet, although she was the daughter of um of Eddie Gaudet, so she was born into it, but she's still young. And then uh Claudio Gonzalez, who's somewhere in the middle, who's, who's very, very good. So you've got a you've got a good mix of of, of horsemen here in Maryland, and uh it's 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 tough. I mean, there's some days you open up and, you know, you open up the form and you start looking at some of these races and you go, wow, you know, there's two or three different horses, four horses could win this race. So, um, but, and then like always, there's a couple of races where you go, okay, this horse wins easy. <laughs> uh, that happens at every racetrack every day of the week, every day of the year. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a tough county. And, and most of the guys uh, are capable of winning wherever they, they go and, and typically do. But, you know, with racing year round in Maryland, it's nice to settle down. You have a family, you run your business, you go out of town when you need to, but shipping back and forth from racetrack to racetrack and being transient. It, it's just not that much fun.
0: Do You think that's one of the negatives of sort of the racing culture in the United States, because that's not the most common thing when you look at other uh, racing cultures around the world. In Europe, people would be based in one spot and then send their horses out to the racetrack to run. Or even in Australia, they would have them, you know, New South Wales or in Victoria, and they might send their horses over or have strings at different tracks. But in general, people tend to be more stationary.
1: I think that comes from uh, going back that American racetracks have had stabling on the racetracks themselves. I know a lot of the racetracks in the UK, you, you ship in to run every day. And I think that stems from that, you know, all the racetracks were built in America with, you know, a thousand stalls on them. You can run your business right from there. And racetracks closed and you shipped to another racetrack, whether, you know, you went from Laurel to Delaware park, back to Pimlico, that type of circuit, or you went Mid Atlantic to Florida or, or whatever. Uh, but now, with the business changing, with uh, the full crop numbers down, and with racetracks that have closed over even my lifetime, you know, the, there's less racetracks running, so they're racing, more racetracks are running year-round. Gulf Park runs year-round. Never, never did that until the last five years. Uh, Tampa Bay Downs is running deeper into the summer uh, Philadelphia Park or Parks runs year-round. So there's racetracks that are running year-round where people can just settle down and, and run their business and and uh, and do well.
0: You think that's a, a positive?
1: I don't know. You know, it's not a positive for the young folks because when we were young, we loved to go from town to town because every time you went to a new town, there was a new bar or new restaurant <laughs> or, and a new place to party. Uh, so I don't think the young people in the business have as much fun as, as we used to. Um, it's good for us older folk who can kind of uh, kind of hang out and not have to, to worry and raise our family and the kids go to one school. Um, well, you know, it's hard on turf courses. There's no doubt about that. You know, that, that it's, it's certainly hard on turf courses. Uh, but I think the demographics of the business have have made it more and more feasible to do that Uh, you know why have two racetracks when you can do everything at one racetrack you know you can race you can train you get you know so the the cost factor for everybody involved you know from management and racetrack ownership to horse ownership to the trainers uh is much more effective
0: yeah, I have to agree with that. Now, I don't entirely agree with you saying that the younger generation doesn't have as much fun because there's still plenty of opportunities to go to these meets, such as you know the championship meet currently at Gulfstream Park, and then you go Saratoga, and you have Del Mar's meet. So there's certainly well, still sure, ways those people move around, but the
1: people that are staying in one place all year round and not doing that, you know, not going to Saratoga mm-hmm. for the summer. Those type of those type of uh, of young people aren't having as much fun, and, and you you'd have to know the group uh, that I hung around, and we we did know how to have, we did know how to fun.
0: Hold <laughs> on, which group are we <laughs> talking about of, here? You alluded y- at it now,
1: younger younger group. I, I can't name names. We, oh we come on! Them, <laughs> we don't want to. They know who they are when they listen to this. They know who they are. They go, "That's who Timmy T. I'm, the, I'm the, That's what Timmy T's talking about."
0: Oh my God. I will definitely be grilling this, uh, grilling this out of you when I get back into the office tomorrow. <laughs> let's uh, let's do what we do on a daily basis. Let's start talking about some of these fields that are going to be lining up this Saturday, the winter carnival here at Laurel Park. And I just finished handicapping them. I know that you've sent your tips in as well. Uh, quite. I like the fields. I I, I like, what's been put in front of us. So great credit once again to the Maryland Jockey Club Racing Office.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're nice races and uh, they're very competitive races uh, for the most part. Uh, I was fortunate enough to win a couple of these races, these stake races. So that's, uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, when I go back and I look and I go, oh, that's kind of cool. I won two of these stakes and, and uh, so that's kind of cool. But yes, uh, there's a, there are some nice races here and uh, we should probably take a little look at them there, Naomi.
0: Yeah, we should indeed. Let's start with the first of the stakes event on Saturday. That's race three. That's the Geisha stakes for fillies and mares, four years, four years old and upward, Maryland bred or Maryland sired going a flat mile. Tim, where did you go here?
1: Well, I ended up on coconut cake and uh, I, I was back and forth between coconut cake and the two horse gale for Jonathan Thomas, Sheldon Russell rides. But I ended up landing on Coconut Cake. She's coming out of two consecutive, two other Dans where she ran very, very well. She ran second behind Little Miss Rayla, then she came back and won. And as you know, uh, the open two other than here are tough. Uh, right. They're extremely tough. She's run back-to-back life bests. And Gail, uh, although she just, she's coming out of a grade three, going mile eighth where she was soundly beat, uh, got dragged to a, a good number. You could beat 15 lengths. Uh, it for me, I don't care what your number is. If you could beat 15 lengths and you run, what she did is 79. You're getting dragged to it. Now, the race before here at Laurel Park, going mile, no question about a big race. And that first-level state bread allowance race. Uh, and she fired a really, really big number that day. But she's going to have to come back with that race. This will uh, – the Comley – look, uh, she was 2-1. to one. She was highly regarded in Comley. I mean, she was just over 2-1. to one in that race uh, but didn't show up so you know she's going to have to run back to that race two starts back and uh if she can then it puts her close you know the five arts artful splatter has a great resume on a sloppy track but she's not the same she's simply not the same philly on a on a fast track i haven't quite looked at the weather but uh you know, if it's fast, she's not the same. She's just simply not the same feeling. I mean, she's won eight races. Seven of the eight have been on sloppy tracks. All her staked wins that she's run been on uh, uh, race tracks with moisture. So she needs that. And then the wild card, I guess, in this race is the three, S.W. Briar Rose, veteran mare. She's won eight. She showed up in her last race. That was a tough, wide-open allowance race. And she kind of got back on the form into form off that race after a couple races that she wasn't quite there. So I guess she could be the wild card. Uh, That's how I see it. Uh, How do you see it?
0: So I ended up do putting Gail on top with coconut cake close. So just a slight knot because I like the turn back here to that flat mile for Gail. I just don't think she saw out that Mile and eight in the Comely, and uh, yeah, you're right. She got dragged up in in terms of number. Uh, Definitely not a race for me to go on, but I like the race that was underneath. I think she's going to be the main pace influence here. She has that really good movement to her. She strides out well. And Jonathan Thomas coming in at Laura Parker four from thirteen over the last five years, so thirty one percent winner, sixty nine percent in the money. I think that's very very strong. Him bringing runners over here. Love coconut cake though. I think she's going to get that perfect stalking position. And as you mentioned, the races she comes out of those two other than allowance events don't really really tough to win here on this circuit and i i think sw briar rose is a testament to that she'd been running at, at sort of similar levels and can't really get getting her you know picture taken at that level because they're they, they're definitely i think we've said this before going from that two other den level to get the win is maybe one of the toughest things out here mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, when you go from the A out of the end to the two out of the end, we've talked about it often, that that's uh, one of the toughest steps Coconut Cake's been able to do it. And, you know, I like her stretching out to a mile. Uh, this should be something she should be able to handle without any issue.
0: Yeah, I agree. See, I definitely, to me, it feels like Gale and Coconut Cake are sort of the really obvious uh, fillies in this spot and definitely a good race to keep an eye on And what you mentioned, I love Artful Splatter underneath but she is kind of that sort of moisture ground specialist and she does so well on it really skips over a ground that is you know sloppy or muddy she she just loves it not as sharp uh, on the fast going still lovely merit to behold though artful splatter her name references uh, to her markings she has these beautiful <laughs> markings all over her her body making her look a little bit like a painting so definitely a wonderful mare to behold yes yeah, she
1: is she, she's got the
0: yeah, she does. So let's let's go to the fire plug race four. This this race is this to me. We can make a case for a couple of horses. I ended you up did. on the veteran eight-year-old runner for Damon De Lodovuco in Lakai, who also gave him his first ever graded stakes win earlier in at Pimlico in the De Francis Dash, the Grade Three by by a nose by a close nose, hasn't seen the winner's circle since, but has run very strongly in the Frank uh, Not the best of time in the Dave's friend. He just got, um, you know, got a little bit of traffic that day. I don't think it was completely his fault. I ended up on him because I feel like there is going to be a, a tad bit of speed in here, and he's that type of runner that can sit off that.
1: No, I agree. I, I think this race uh, could set up perfectly for a Lakai. I mean, this is an ultra-consistent Gelding who shows up Every time, even when he's getting beat. Now, you know, the downside of Lakai is that his running style should fit nicely into this race. But sometimes, just like he did in his last race, he finds a little trouble. And you can look down the short comments on on his current form, and you can find a few races where, you know, he's found trouble. Even uh, that big win in the Francis Dash, uh, which was an amazing win. I mean, he he got checked hard at the half mile pole in that race and he kept on coming and got the job done so he's got to get a clean trip but I, but i agree I, I just think there's a lot of speed in here that is going to set it up with uh, penguin power and Karen's notion and, and share the ride so I, I think it sets up well for lakai he likes it here at laurel park eight of his 10 wins have come right here and he's just a kind of just a kind of horse you just love. he just let, let put me in coach let's go <laughs>
0: He he certainly is is a very, very consistent professional gelding that just turns up every time. And As you mentioned, there's so much speed in here. Of course, we're going six furlongs. And um, I had a quick look at your selection. I think it's quite interesting that both of us don't land on the Maryland Million Sprint winner, Karen's notion, who then came back and won an allowance level, abundance of speed but I just feel that this is the type of gelding that needs to get the lead. If he doesn't get the lead and someone's pressure, pressure him, he's going to overcook basically overboil, just go too hard and, and get tired.
1: Yeah. You know, what a wonderful horse. First of all, let I me, mean, what a really, really nice horse and what a great story when he won the Maryland million sprint. Uh, but uh, this is the deep end of the pool. <laughs> There's some horses here who routinely run low nineties, mid nineties, high nineties, and we're still looking at his best race being the Maryland Million Sprint, uh, where he did run an 89, and it was a good race, and he beat a pretty nice horse in Lewis Field, although Lewis Field wasn't the same horse this year as he had been in years past. Uh, but by the numbers, by the figures, he just doesn't look like he's going to be fast enough. And if he tries to, be, I'm afraid if he tries to be fast enough, then I think he's going to, because that's what he does. And uh, Nancy Howell's made no bones about hey, we're going to the front, and uh, but he's not going to be up there alone. He's going to have company.
0: Yeah, he's, he sure will. Um, I dare say, Penguin Power might want to move forward as well. Uh, Share the Ride has a fair bit of speed. I use him underneath yeah. uh, Candy Ride Galvin coming in here. Of course, kind of the the wild card. He hasn't run against any of these. Really comes out of that fall um, high weight handicap with a with a win has run in some very tough races before that Uh, the grade three bold ruler the Wolfsburg the grade 2 there up at Belmont certainly has been mixing it with the higher class graded stakes horses comes in here in really really strong form
1: he does and if you recall he was in the Dave's Friend and he scratched because he was my top pick in the Dave's Friend and that uh, that was run on uh, December 26th day after Christmas so He scratched out of that. He hasn't run since. It's uh now the 16th of January. Look, resume says he wins this race, right? The numbers say he wins this race. He's been running against tougher horses and great stakes. He wins this race. The problem I would have, and we talk, I, you, you know, because we work with each other all, all the time, you know, just a suspect work at pattern coming into this race. He was a uh, scheduled to run on December 23rd, 26th, didn't show up scratched. He worked December 13th. Then he went a month. He didn't work again until J- uh, January 10th in preparation for this race. He worked October 28th for a November 18th start. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, actually worked October 9th, a quick three three eights for that October uh, 31st start. I just, I'm um, big about work patterns we and uh, it's just like just can't get beyond them i uh, just concerned about the the scratch and the well-spaced work coming in here has a resume should he win the race yes are there questions absolutely
0: well we also have a, a runner coming in here that we did see in the day's friend penguin power use him in second i do believe yeah. it wasn't the top of my head uh, he came off sort of a yep. slight break to come back in that stakes race runs very very credibly second only beaten by three lengths that day now coming back here again hasn't had a work since that race but of course it's only what would that be like two and a half weeks something yeah
1: two and a half weeks yep and neither is luck high and look jeff Ronco is an interesting guy and he doesn't come in here very often unless he thinks he can and of course he trained Lewis Field. And he brought this horse in here. This horse has a nice resume when he came into the day's friend. He was 13 for uh, 17 uh, lifetime, so he clearly knows how to run. He's been run, was running some strong numbers out there at Charlestown. Well, in that race in the day's friend, he backed that number up. He ran a 94 speed figure that day and ran very very well behind uh, where she told me to go, only getting beat two lengths or running third. So Jeff's going to come back again, and I don't blame him. I mean, this horse uh, can clearly run. He knows, he knows how to get the job done. It's going to be another test coming to the big track uh, once again, but certainly has deserved the right to be here off that Dave's friend
0: race. Absolutely. I used the uh, number one Wendell Fung underneath myself, just sheer interest, because I remember him coming over here, running in that allowance event last time, out, a really strong second behind Taco Supreme, just a very good looking sort of bulky gleaming horse that glides over the track. I remember asking Trevor about him. He said, yeah, he's actually quite quite a nice horse. He moves well. He does what you ask of him. He responds well. Does tend to kind of To me, it feels like a little bit of a hit-and-miss horse. He either turns up and he can be very good, or he can just kind of spit out the dummy and say, we're not doing it today. But he comes in here with a a decent enough workout on the 5th of January.
1: He does. That was a big work, and and I agree with you. He's, like I always say, he's he's a little bit of a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. (laughs) Uh, You got the good Wendell Fong in his last start here at uh, Laurel Park. That was a big race behind uh, Taco Supreme. Uh, but then you've got, oh, what, five races in a row uh, where uh, Wendell Fong didn't show up at all going back to April of this past year. So uh, which one's going to show up? Ah, well, okay, well, I'm going to give him the April 18th, uh, that sprint race at Oaklawn Park where he got beat to Whitmore. <laughs> Whitmore's a very big, very nice horse. But after that, he threw in three clunkers and then showed up with that nice race in his last start. Yeah, you know, it's just... Look, the, the good Wendell Funk shows up. You have to consider him. But, boy, it's been a long time since he's put two good races back-to-back. Back. You've got to go all the way back to the spring of 2019. So I gave him a pass on this particular afternoon.
0: It oh, definitely is a race to keep your eye on. I feel like there's plenty of betting opportunities as well, just looking at the morning line of Fairfoo, 6-1. to one shots coming in here that i think have got plenty of say in this let's move on to race five which is the jennings stakes of course for the maryland bread and maryland sired going a flat mile a couple of sort of veteran professionals coming in here. I landed on the number three chord maker, a six-year-old by Curlin came out of a very decent performance in a native dancer. That was a mile and eight that day. And just a really, you know, a a horse that likes being a race horse. He likes to be close to the pace. And if he kind of gets that nice run, he will get into the winner's circle.
1: I think so. I have him on top also. I have him as my price play of the day because I think we're going to get an okay price on him. I haven't looked at the line. What did uh, Keith line him at? Five to two. Five to two. Well, a little, a uh, little lower than I thought he'd be lying, but that's okay. Uh, the, he'll probably not quite go. i break probably go off a little more than that. Look, this, clearly he's not the same horse as he was in 2019 where he went five for eight. Uh, he's been running against some tough horses uh lately here in in Maryland. Now he's been coming out of these open stakes where he's run pretty well. Now he's going this state red stake. So I think he's getting a little bit of a drop in class here today. He hasn't run bad races this year. He's just ended up having to run against some tough horses. Harper's first ride a couple times uh he's going to the Pegasus World Cup. So you know uh that's a bit of a serious horse there. So I think this spot works for him. I think the turn back works for him a bit too. You know, I always thought he was a little bit better the longer he went. And I think that was the case for a little while. Uh, But now that he's getting a little bit older, I think that uh, he probably is going to appreciate the turn back and distance here uh, on Saturday afternoon. And I like the fact that he's getting that long stretch because he does tend to run from pretty far off of it. Not far off of it, but he's kind of a grinder. He just kind of grinds out his races and uh, turning back in class here this afternoon. I think that will be enough for him. Uh, I like him. He went zero for eight last year, but again, <laughs> he, uh, he ran against Arbor's first ride four different times. He's getting class relief in this group on Saturday.
0: It feels like he just kept on running into some tougher foes and this sure. is going to be, I feel a better spot. Who else uh, piqued your interest in this?
1: Well, Air Token certainly does. Uh, he piques he, he my interest. He's just in very, very, very good form. Uh, you Look, he didn't run as well in going a mile and an eighth in the native dancer behind Harper's first ride. Uh, but the time before, two times before, he won the concern going seven eighths. I think the one turn mile probably works a little bit better for him. And then you can't just, even though Galerio has gone to a new barn, Dale Bennett knows his way around the shed row. Uh, you can't just dismiss Galerio. He's been a very, very good horse in 2020. He went eight for 12. Um, but, uh, you know, then the other horse, I mean, Oxide, who's for Lacey Godhead is in very, very good form, but taking a, a step up here uh, by the numbers, going to have to do better. Uh, you know, and then you could make the case for a couple other horses, I mean, always mining, getting back to his very, very favorite racetrack. I mean, uh, nine of his, all nine of his lifetime wins have come here at Laurel park, but he's in a new barn, uh, coming off a long layoff, uh, with a light work tap. So I'm not sure what to expect there. I and, mean, you know, of course, tattooed. can't forget about tattoo <laughs> who seems to always oh uh, tattooed. Show, yeah. Yeah. He seems to always show up the party, you know, he, he gets, he, he, <laughs> he gets a little bit of the nachos. He just doesn't get, uh, He just doesn't get the guacamole with it. So we'll see how it goes for Tattoo.
0: Well, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I've said it quite frequently. Tattoo does what Tattoo does best, and that's running second or third. He's always (laughs) there, tends to get into a little bit of trouble, seems to sometimes put himself in positions uh, where he just gets a into his own way a little bit it just never seems to fall into his lap he's always trying to overcome something and very decent he he keeps getting the money like you mentioned he keeps running good numbers against different groups i mean he's ran into galerio and dixie draw morning morning quarterback in the classic a very strong third behind him and as well behind harper's first ride who's now going to the pegasus world cup so certainly a horse that you'd have to respect but I just I'm staying away from him because I feel he's going to run second or third and, and we're looking for the winner I want to make a case for a winner here and I just don't think Tattooed is going to be that horse and that sounds that doesn't sound nice but he just likes to run behind horses and some horses are a little bit like that aren't they
1: well they are a little bit like that but he's getting Angel Cruz back aboard this weekend and Angel's ridden him before with some success now I don't see a win <laughs> because he was running second but he was running a little bit closer seconds, you know. He was to beat the neck and a length and a half, three quarters of a length. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you got to use him underneath, right?
0: Yeah, always yeah. A- tattooed, oh. always underneath because he will turn up and maybe one day he'll give us a fright and actually win. Let's move <laughs> on to race six, the What a Summer Stakes for the Phillies and mares, four-year-olds and upwards, six furlong. Of course, the story of this race is your maryland million darling hello beautiful coming right back after a two-win streak she won the safely cap. she won the maryland million distaff, of course she was the maryland million juvenile the maryland million lassie will winner the md juvenile philly championship winner in 2019 this is a philly that loves laurel park and right now is in absolute top form and i feel Like she's taken that next step when we saw that Sheldon was able to rate her last time behind, uh, you know, a very strong pace that day and her still being happy coming away from that and then getting the win.
1: I agree. I agree. I I really thought she was a one trick pony. I really did. I I thought it was a lead or nothing. And and, uh, I remember doing the show. I think I did today at the races uh, for that race with uh, Keith Fustle and, and uh, Keith was like, not so fast. And uh, he was right. And uh, she was able to rate off that pace. Now, she was on the outside that day. That helps uh, uh, to, to rate. But she did it kindly, and she came with a big run and uh, got the job done. I mean, she's, she's, uh, sh- she's certainly the one to beat. I mean, she's run back-to-back 96 by her speed figures. Uh, those are big, big works. I've seen her in the morning. She's looked good in the morning. Uh, she's looked good in the morning. She came out of the, the safely kept in, in good shape and has just uh, steadily improved every every morning I've seen her out there. So, uh, yeah, you, you can't get by her. She's uh, cur- uh, certainly the one to beat. Everyone else is going to have to get better. Uh, Malibu Mischief, we know she's going to go to the front. Uh, now, she didn't get the lead last time when she took on stakes, uh, stakes Company for the first time in her career, but she didn't run poorly all – either. I mean, she hung in there. She didn't get to the lead. She didn't get what she wanted, but she didn't absolutely throw in the towel either, which we see some Phillies do that. They don't, they don't get what they want. and Then they take the ball and go home. She, she kind of hung out, out there and she ran third, got d three length. So, you know, I, I keep looking at this race and I'm thinking, well, who's fast enough to go with her? Malibu mischief. Is she going to get an easy lead or is Sheldon Russell going to have to use a little bit of a Hello beautiful uh, to keep her honest. That's the question.
0: Yeah. And what, well, maybe cause I'm edgy, has a little bit of early speed as well. has not been able to carry it sometimes as far as we saw in her last race, but she has a good bit of early speed towards her inside. I I do think hello beautiful. Probably if Sheldon wants to put pressure on Malibu mischief, you'll kind of have to send her, with her i don't know if they want to use her up that early especially now that they uh, figured out that she can sit back and relax behind the pace so it'd be interesting to see how that works out and then to me there's sort of a wild card coming in here and that's the number two escapade for jonathan thomas i gave you the stats before yeah. but this is a filly that's been running on the turf and on the all weather in her last four starts but her last main start five furlongs in a stake at Gulfstream Park she ran a very strong second that day 97 by that was her last time on the dirt and sprinting but clearly she has a good bit of speed she sat behind it that day but really produced a a strong kick and to me it's kind of like how is she going to come in here getting back onto that main track
1: and that is a question Uh, but uh, she ran well at Gulfstream Park she's run well on the synthetic she's run well on everything she's run on. I mean, she clearly looks like maybe she simply doesn't care. Now she's got she's got some she's got gas. Uh, whether they're gonna if she has the same type of gas, she's certainly got gas on the turf, going five Ace on the turf, uh, she can absolutely get it. Whether she can go that fast on the main track and get to the front, you know, could be a little bit of a question. She got outrun at Gulfstream Park where they were going extremely fast that day and she wasn't too, too far off of it. Certainly the wild card, I think I used her up underneath. I might have even used her in the exact – I'd have to go back and, and look. But no doubt, Escapade with Cintra on board, a uh, board is interesting
0: yeah i have her in in second surely because she just shown that she does have so much early speed and clearly can run well on both surfaces and coming in uh, from you know these different form lines it's always a question how they stack up when they then come here and she has run um at laurel before but that was all on the turf so just intrigued by her prospects in this dirt event. Uh, we'll move on to race seven, which is the extra heat for Philly's three-year-old going six furlong. Of course, the big story here is who I crowned the champion two-year-old of last year as Phillies is Street Loop coming back in here after her gin-talking win, her Maryland Juvenile Phillies Championship win, and then she won the Smart Halo, was a really close beaten second in the Maryland Million Lassie. I mean, she's she's going to be the filly to beat in that spot.
1: No doubt about it. I mean, I mean, this is a nice filly. She's a neck uh, short of being perfect. She's five or six in her life. She'll do anything you want. She doesn't care. You want me to lay off? Okay, fine. I'll lay off. Come get them. You want me to go to the front like she did in her last start going seven-eighths of a mile? Yeah, no problem. I can do that, too. So, uh, clearly, she's a runner. Clearly, she knows how to win. She will do, any. as I mentioned... You know, she laid off two starts ago, going seven-eighths of a mile, got the win, laid out off uh, laid off three starts ago, going three-quarters of a mile, got the win. Uh, she's just simply a runner, end of the story. And uh, this race goes through her. I mean, it's, it's her race to lose. Miss Leslie, interesting, has shown steady improvement uh, since Claudia Gonzalez uh, claimed her. Uh, but she's going to have to improve again. I mean, she's going to have to get better. Again, and, and maybe that's possible. She comes in with a sharp work on uh, January 9th, a half and 47.4. So she's clearly in, in good form. Um, uh, you know, interesting horse on the outside to me is the six plain drunk. And that is a horse I used up underneath. And first of all, I used her just because I like her name. She's by Stay <laughs> Thirsty out of a, a mare called Annette's Jet plain drunk i thought that was a great name <laughs> that's but a very then good look, name yeah, yeah that's a great name And then you look at her and if you could are willing to toss that last race going seven of a mile at parks you you go to, back to a race where she ran a big figure 72 by her speed figure got the job done that was a state red race up there at parks and and uh so this should be by rights a little bit tougher but she's uh, reeled off three good races in a row at parks and and delaware parks and of course she won that race a pen uh that i just alluded to but uh, that one could be interesting but look they're gonna have to come up with lifetime bests and they're gonna have to hope that street loop doesn't show up with one of her bests if they're gonna beat her
0: yeah to me the only filly that i thought based off maybe continuous improvement that could topple Street Lou, which I think is unlikely. She, she's clearly the standout class in this field. Would indeed be Miss Leslie, who you mentioned yeah. a second as well. And I, I remember speaking with Claudio Gonzalez because he's got Harper's first ride uh, running in the Pegasus World Cup uh, in, a, in what is it, a week and a half from now? I do week, believe yeah, not this 23rd, weekend. I next Yep, yeah, next weekend. And I asked him, aside from Harper's first ride, who are you currently most excited about in your barn? This is the filly he mentioned. He said, Miss Leslie, she, she's quite a good filly. So that made me kind of go, okay, so he must be expecting even further improvement. Now, she is up against Street Loot, like we said, who's, who's just been in phenomenal form and to me, a class above. The rest, but of course, we are—they're now three-year-olds. They're moving into that three-year-old year. We know that two-year-olds and you know early three-year-olds—they continue to develop at different rates. So, of course, I'm expecting Street Lute to continue developing because she is that beautiful sort of bulky filly that that did very well early and kind of matured, I think, a little bit faster than some of the other two-year-olds did at the time. Ms. Leslie, to me, was always a little bit more of a leggy filly, a bit taller. So, if she starts filling out more, She's eligible to move up. It's going to be a hard task, but she's definitely the one that would pique my interest when it comes to that. Let's uh, let's finish off here with this spectacular bid, which is race eight for three-year-olds going seven furlongs. Well, we don't have Jackson Traveler in here. I do know that he uh, had to kind of take a bit of a sit back with a, a minor foot bruise, I do believe. But we do have... Kenny had a notion who was very strong second in the half stakes last time out, didn't run his race in, in the James F. Lewis, but did win the Reddick Million Nursery. And we have Shaq Queen King. So the trainer, Joe Capuano, going against Gary Capuano. Uh, who did you end up putting on top, Tim?
1: I ended up on Shaq Queen King. I, I just love this this uh, turn back. And, and speaking of turn backs, going back to Miss Leslie, she's turning back and could, the pace scenario could, set up with, uh, for, but back to Shaq Queen King. Uh, I mean, I, I love the turn back. He's coming off a big win going a mile, a 16th, ran a lifetime best that day, turns back to seven-eighths of a mile here this afternoon, uh, not this afternoon, on Saturday afternoon, <laughs> and uh, he gets a good outside draw. I think there's a lot going for him, sharp work. You see that work January 12th coming into this race, three days uh, be th- uh day before yesterday, correct? Yep. Uh, three quarters of a mile, one thirteen, and one uh, big work. And we know Gary's very, very good with these types. So a horse that's never run a bad race in his career, keeps showing up, turning back. That's everything I need to know.
0: I, I agree with you. I use Shaq Queen King on top. I remember seeing him at the gate in the Howard County. He is kind of a feisty, energetic colt. but speaking with Gary Capuano after he won, and that was kind of that, strong ding dong dual battle down the stretch between uh, Shaq Queen King and then ain't the bear cold. That was, it was a great race that day. And Shaq Queen King just showed how tenacious he is. And then Gary was saying there's a lot of energy to this colt, And he actually keeps racing him quite frequently because this is a, a, a horse that needs his racing. He loves his racing to kind of release that energy and to keep him in check. So I feel there is hopefully even better of him that we will see on Saturday. I do like to turn back to seven photos because I think he's got plenty of speed to do that and to kind of just turn it up even more. So I know you're not on Kenny had a notion because I used him in second, just based on, you know, what he's shown in the past. Uh, who did you end up as the possible challenger to Shaq Queen King?
1: I, I, I ended up on uh, may the horse be with you for Brittany Russell. And uh, taking on Stakes Company for the first time, but this is, this is a, uh, a, a gelding who just is steadily progressing, going the right way. Every single race, he's gotten a little bit better. He got better in that last start, in that first level allowance con- condition where he ran very, very well. Comes back in here with a couple works uh, for Brittany Russell. So I, I just expect this one to move forward. Kenny had a notion. I like Kenny. I've got him on my ticket. I, I just, I, I just don't trust him. Honestly, I just don't trust him. you know, a couple good races, a couple races not so good, and you know, I, I, I guess he he displaced in November fourteenth. I think I read an article. They displaced there. Uh, then he came back. He got beat a neck to no sense in the half. Now. He's certainly eligible to uh, stay the same, move forward. He'll be at Lasix for the first time, Uh, but uh, I I just, I just don't trust him. I don't know why. Just a gut, just don't trust he'll come up with the race he's going to need. And look, his best race is his last race, and he's going to need that race at worst.
0: It's interesting because you mentioned Kenny had a notion we'll be running on Lasix for the first time. Shaq Queen King won't be. What do you make of that? Why? I don't know. It, it says know, he's not. know, but that's
1: what I'm saying. Why? Yeah. If, but... if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, true. It, it ain't broke. He's running without Lasix and it, it ain't broken. Hey, look, Gary Capwano went old school on this horse. And this horse worked three quarters a mile on January 12th. This race is January 16th you come back in four days off that work and you talked about him having energy. Yeah. Uh, for me, that's a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, uh, sort of thing. So, I mean, this horse has shown Jack wing queen uh, and has shown no, uh, no stop in him. So, uh, I mean, I, I agree with that move there.
0: See, I, we were discussing this before. We love the fact that the two-year-olds were, las- were racing without LASIKs, and both of us would have preferred to have seen them continue into their three-year-old year without it because I'm, I'm a big a proposer on like i I do support that and i think it's a really strong thing to do and i i do respect gary opting to keep shaq queen king off it as well because as he said has a lot of energy likes to race a lot and it seems that the horses are able to come back quicker when they haven't been running on lasix than with it wouldn't you say I, I
1: think so. I think so. I think, you know, especially those young horses, it you know, it, it the lasix it takes a it takes a little bit out of them. You'll get an argument uh, both ways. You'll get arguments both ways of, of pro lasix, uh, a- anti lasix. We've been through that a hundred times. We're going through that. We will continue to go through that. Uh, my attitude is, uh, look, it's coming. Get used to it get used to training without it, get used to racing without, it, or at least racing without it. I, I, I can't believe, uh, Lasix is here for the long haul. So if you've got a good horse and it is not uh, running with Lasix, you might as well keep, uh, keep doing it and practice, uh, racing without it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well,
1: Timmy T has to say about that. <laughs> and I'm not, and, and listen, I, I'm not, I'm not taking either side of, of, good or bad or yes or no i'm just saying the the future it's written on the wall i think lasix is going to be uh one over it's going to be a long haul three or four years but it, it i think it will be uh, out the door
0: yeah it's going to be phased out eventually yeah, so I, I agree you might as well continue running your horses without it if they haven't started their careers with it like Shaq king who clearly doesn't stop whatsoever and doesn't seem to be in the need of it so certainly i'll probably
1: take a lot of abuse for that but that's okay i'm a big boy
0: uh you know you know that that's that's fine people have different opinions in in this game and and that's all you know everyone is entitled to have their own opinions and i think it's a good you know thing we're phasing it out what's that no <laughs> go on tim no 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 oh you are terrible you were a tell. We kind of leave us hanging like that.
1: No, it's okay. You'll come, you'll come back for episode two.
0: Oh, oh okay. Okay. You, you know we're nearing the end of the episode. So you want to keep them yeah. keen for the next Very time. Perfect. All right. So as we are indeed about to wrap this up, uh, who would be your best bet on this entire Saturday?
1: Well, it's interesting. I, I have a street loot as my best bet of the day. But what was really interesting was I looked at your picks. I toyed with, uh, wow, what a brat as my best bet of the day on the undercard, second race, I believe. Uh, I toyed with making her my best bet of the day. But, you know, Street Loot just, you know, you're going to get no, no price. You're gonna, I mean, it is what it is. But she looks to me like the most likely horse uh, to actually win on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely love Street Loot. I do think you're right. We're going to get evens or less because she is the class in that field and she's you know the local filly so certainly we'll be taking a fair bit of money yeah i used wow what a bread in wow what a bread excuse me brat <laughs> in race two that's a mile and an eighth i feel like she's the only mare nine-year-old mare that wants to see out that distance and and comes in here in, in really strong form so i use her as my uh, my best bet of the day because also just trying to look for some value um, I know that both. And I give like- you a
1: little. I give you a little insight too. I happened to be talking to uh, Jamie Ness's assistant yesterday, mm-hmm. the day before, wanted to, and she said the mayor's doing great. So there. Oh, that's
0: wonderful. Yeah, trained by Jamie Ness. Carol Cidino stays aboard, which also is a very good sign, I believe, as well. Um, you- I've looked at some of our tips here. Cordmaker, I ended up um, using, no, you ended up using him as a price pay. I have him on top as well. He's certainly a horse to maybe include in uh, some of your your exotic bets or even just a, a couple of bucks.
1: Sure, uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, you know, he's lined at five to two. I think Galerio Galler, is going to take some money. Uh, Air Token's is going to take some money in there. You know, and I think always mining might take a take a a share bit of money. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we get a little bit better there. But oh yeah, yeah. Being, I think cord maker at the end of the day is the horse to beat there.
0: Yeah, which is race five, the Jennings stakes for everyone wanting to have a a little flutter on this Saturday. Tim, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining me and for your time. And we managed to finally get everything set up and working with all our technical difficulties. But I'm I'm glad uh, we made it happen.
1: I'm a lot of things, but tech savvy, I'm not.
0: If you all haven't learned a fair bit from Tim's insight and opinion, you need to listen again. Also, I will be grilling him the next day at the track about his uh, inside jokes. Do tune in for the action on Saturday via our website or the simulcast channels, Laurel Park, laurelpark.com, and follow Tim on Twitter, which is at Timothy underscore Tullock. So Timothy underscore Tulloch, T-U-L-L-O-C-K for Tulloch, as well as mine, if you don't follow me already, on Twitter, which is at Naomi Tucker with two Ks, no C. Keep on winning, keep on having fun, pet a few horses now and then, if you get the chance, I promise you, it will make you feel better. See you all next week, and thank you for tuning in once again. Tot ziens!